All right, this is AP and Spencer, two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. Uh, this is season two, episode 30. How are you feeling today, AP? Honestly, I couldn't feel any better. Uh, you know, I'm wearing shorts. It's about 80 degrees and sunny here in April in Oregon, and the whole weekend is planned to be like 80 and sunny or 80 I plus. It. I love it. It's barbecue weather. This is a, the flowers are blooming. You can't beat this, Spence. You actually cannot beat it. And and this is why we tell people if they're going to come visit Oregon, come in the winter. Because yeah. if you come right now, you're going to fall in love with this beautiful weather. Yeah, you got the trees are pinks and colors and, and, and the warm breezes and the mountains are, you know, yeah, we don't want a flood of outsiders coming in. We want to keep this Oregon. That's right. That's right. We don't want this to be. Do we want it to be California? Spanish? Uh, no, I don't think so. But yeah. California, is, California is great. Yeah. We, especially Southern California. I love Southern California. But yeah. But uh, weather wise, but it, but you know, this is this is ideal time right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, so uh, other than the weather, uh, anything else going on that you can think of? I mean, it seems like it's been pretty quiet the last little bit as far as NCA sports go. Yeah, you know, not much going on. You know, other than uh, so big things coming out. Actually, yeah, that one, um, I was being facetious. Yeah, there. yeah. I'm just gonna get right into it. I, I, I'm too excited not to talk about it. So USC, the USC Trojans have found themselves in the crosshairs of the NCAA once again. That's right. And uh, part of this FBI investigation um, that they're kind of going into with basketball, the underbelly of basketball, USC's penalties came out. Yeah. So we have that news. We've got dead period information, Spence. Okay. we got one-time transfer stuff going on. That's right. Uh, we got quite a bit uh, to talk about. So the sports aren't actively going uh, the major sports right now. Some are. Uh, but right now is a good, there's a lot of transition going on. So maybe we should talk about some of it. Let's do it. So let's start out with kind of the, the rules changes and the rules updates that are happening right now with the NCA. And, and I'm curious from your perspective, how these rule changes are going to affect, uh, recruiting and, and, and sports in general. So the first thing is, is this is now the NCA has decided that for football and men's basketball players, and women's basketball players, they are now allowing school, uh, players to transfer and be immediately eligible. This is called a one-time transfer rule. So if you're at you're at St. John's and you want to transfer to USC and you're a basketball player, typically if you weren't a if you weren't a graduate student, you'd have to do what? Yeah, so you'd have to basically so. Now, depending on the right sport, you have to sit a year, maybe even lose a year. So how it used to work is they would penalize players from transferring in, in football and men's and women's basketball. So, for example, now you notice this is one-time transfer. The other sports, so soccer, cross-country, swimming, they had the one-time transfer, meaning one time in your college career, as long as you're leaving eligible. You can't, like, escape eligibility problems by transferring to another school. But as long as you're leaving eligible, you meet some of your benchmarks, you can one-time transfer to another school. You don't have to sit out a year or anything like that, do a year in residence, you know, burn a redshirt year or whatever. You can play right away. It's a cool concept that you can do it one time. It's never been for football or men's basketball. It's always been there's a penalty. Like, sure, you can transfer. you got to sit out a year, burn a year. Yeah. Uh, it was complicated. And a lot of kids didn't want to do that. They think, oh, I don't want to lose a whole year of eligibility. I don't want to sit out an entire year. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick with what I have. Uh, but now for the first time ever, they're going to take this to football, men's and women's basketball as well, one time in their career. So you could have a guy that plays at UCLA for football, and they want to transition to BYU. One time in their career, they can transition to BYU as long as they're leaving UCLA 
eligible with with eligibility remaining and that's that's really important so so yeah and, and BYU actually is benefiting from this we, we had a transfer a couple of transfers actually from Pac-12 schools that are coming that still have eligibility remaining and they're not grad transfers uh, and they are going to be immediately eligible, which is going to be really good, really good yep. for the BYU program. And I know USC has benefited from this as from basketball and for and for football as well. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I guess there's been a there's been a lot of kind of pushback on this, especially from coaches, and which I find kind of interesting because coaches can leave the school and there's no penalty; they can go anywhere at any time. Uh, but but these you know they they're upset that this is. They're they're thinking that this is going to create some th- basically free agency within the college sports ro- world. So I mean, I guess what do you think about those fears, AP? Like the fact that these student athletes now can transfer and just play right away. It seems like this is going to allow a lot of student athletes to just kind of go where they want to go and 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 leave, go from maybe a struggling program to a better program, and put that struggling program even further behind because now they don't. Now there isn't that penalty of having to wait a year, et cetera. Yeah. So do you think that the that this is a smart move by the NCA? Let's ask that question first, and then do, if it is a smart move, do you think that there's just going to be this free agency kind of tsunami of of transfers? Yeah. So the first question, I think that uh, the NCA wants to benefit student athletes. Their goal is always to give the student athletes the most leverage, the most flexibility. What's best for them? Why not give them a chance to make a correction in their decision? If they went to a school and they think I'm not fitting in here, or I, I'm homesick, or I don't like this coach like I thought I would. I can now transition. Yeah, and, if the coach leaves, for example. Coach leaves, right? Because coaches can do that too. And hey, they just took a new job. Hey, I signed here for Lane Kiffin. Now Lane Kiffin leaves, and now I'm stuck with some other coach that I didn't really want to be here for. But if I transition, now I have to sit out a year. I don't want to do that and burn a year. Uh, and so now they can... They can bail. So you're, what you're going to have is more movement. And I know that it, for basketball right now, there's over a thousand kids in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean that it's turning into just. But now what I, you're going to just see a different style of recruiting. You're going to see less focus probably on freshmen and newbies and development, and you're going to have reloading. You're going to have people. Hey, we just lost our junior quarterback to the NFL. Instead of going and getting some freshman that's been sitting in the wings, we can go to the transfer portal and get some guy from Missouri who's a junior, has one year left or whatever. Let's bring him on. And he can, and he can get going. He's got two years under his belt. So you're going to have people reloading. You're not going to be relying on younger people as much. Um, bad programs, I think, will be benefit in the sense that they can, you can promise, hey, you're going to play right away. You're right. on the bench. Come play with us, and you'll, you'll be a starter. You want to do that? Well, come, come start with us and help us build. Good programs can cherry pick good players at bad programs, and so you're gonna just what you're gonna see is a lot more roster movement. Yeah, especially I feel like where I'm seeing the most movement is specifically from smaller conference teams. You know, like 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 CAA and the and the and the WAC and those types of size schools, so smaller conference schools. They'll have somebody who will be incredible, some great, have a great season and, and just do- dominate, maybe even be the, you know, the swack player of the year. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, look, they're transferring to UCLA or, or, or Texas or somewhere yep. like that. You know? oh, yeah. And then, and then, the, and then at these bigger schools, some of these kids who were highly recruited, big time players in high school, five star type players, they get to college and it turns out, you know, they're maybe not on the right they're not on the right team or they're not able to really shine like they thought they were going to shine. And then maybe they're stuck behind a really good player. And so then those kids are transferring down to schools. Yep. So it's like, 
It's like, yeah, the, the transfer portal, transfer portal kind of giveth and taketh away, in my opinion. It does. I mean, it gives more flexibility to the kids. And in the end, that's about paying student-athletes. It's giving more benefits and more control to the, to the athletes, right, which is a good thing. Now, coaches are going to have more fluidity in their roster, and they probably don't like that, and you're going to have more uh, kids coming. And then they say, we'll have to recruit our kids. Well, not necessarily, because if a kid leaves, then you can go and just replace them with someone else in the transfer portal maybe. So you just have a different style of recruiting. That's not all just at the high schools anymore. Yeah, and these, these coaches are they're recruiting geniuses, right? I mean, they have to be. And so not, but, but like you just said, then this is something that's interesting, is these coaches are now not only going to have to recruit not only – the kids coming in as you know freshmen and and beginning their time at at the school, they're also going to have to continue to recruit these kids while they're at the school, and then potentially go out and recruit kids who are like sophomores, juniors, and seniors who are wanting to transfer to the school. So it, yeah. it seems like it creates a a lot more work for these coaches and a lot more time spent kind of recruiting. Yeah, right. It does, you know, and these they have big staffs. You know, these programs have a lot of, you know, even the smaller programs have decent sized staffs to help with that. But you have to have the scholarship spot, right? So I mean, if you only have one scholarship spot, it is what it is. You know, you can have twenty five people beating down your door to transfer, but if you don't have the scholarship spot, you don't have the scholarship spot. Right. You know, and so there's there's some of that. Um, you know, and and it, I so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I like it in the sense that. If, if, like, let's say a USC ends up losing seven guys to the NFL and their, their defense is going to get decimated. And then in the past, they would have had to have all these freshmen and all these people that have no experience right. come up and they have to have a bad year of defense. Well, now they can go out and get three or four guys from the transfer portal that have two years' experience under their belt. Maybe a guy that's a kind of a bench warmer at Alabama, but he's really, really good. You piece together, now you're coming back with some experience line again. And so right. you don't have to have those big drop-offs. So I think that helps fans a little bit, too. You don't have to always have the cyclical team that's good, bad for two years, good, bad for two years. Um, so I think it's going to benefit a lot of teams. It'll just be interesting to see how it shakes out over the years. I think it'll also calm down because kids can only transfer one time. Right. It's always going to be heightened at first and kind of crazy. And I think over three or four years, it'll start settling down a little bit. You'll have some movement, but it won't be as crazy as it is for right now. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll it, people will start getting used to it. It'll be a little bit more uh, reasonable. Uh, you know. And anyway, anyways, it's just something that is that we're going to have to keep an eye on yeah. here. So. The other big news that happened this week is is we and we've been talking about this since the coronavirus started. Basically, is there has been a recruiting dead period that has been going on since you know I think it was April of last year, right? Yeah. So it's been over over a year that there's been this recruiting dead period, which has really affected how these college coaches can recruit players. They can't have yeah. in person meetings, etc. Yeah. They have now decided, the NCAA has finally decided that starting June 1st, they're lifting that dead period. So typically, when you were, you know, back in the, in the, in the business, I, I, is, you know, when would you, when was the recruiting dead period lifted typically? Like, wasn't it during the summer? Yeah, so it depended on the sport. So every sport had its own unique calendar, right? Uh, and so they all had different calendars going on at the same time. But, you know, so like for football, for example, they would have a lot of dead period during the summer. Right. For camps and time off, they would have some time around Christmas time, uh, some around the signing period. So they'd have strategic times of dead periods. And all sports were different. They had a different calendar. But this was time where it's no on or off campus recruiting. I mean, you can't have any contact with the coach. You can't evaluate talent. Right. Uh, it's basically everything you're do doing is on the email or phone or social media. That's it. 
and it really shuts it down. Now, that's been really hard. And, you know, coaches are doing Zoom calls, and they're, they're getting their iPads out, and, and that's cool for a while, but they really need to size up these kids, look them in the eye, shake their hand, walk them around campus. It's good for the kids, too. Right. And so I, it's big news that now you're going to start having this. But what it's, I think what's happening is you can see, Spencer, things are starting to open up more and more and more. Right, exactly. And, and that's the, the hope is that we can get back to some normalcy. Now, as people are getting vaccinated, people are, you know, get, getting through this virus, the, ho- the hope is, is that we can get back to some, some level of normalcy. And again, like you said, this is just another step that, you know, taking away this dead period. Now, this allows these coaches to then reach out and have these in-person meetings, right? Like, yeah. And those types of things. Yeah. They can have official visits where the school pays for it, unofficial visits where the kid gets there on their own. They can actually go up to the coach's office, sit on the couch, see their family, shake their hand, all of that. Now, of course, right. I mean, we're in a pandemic, but people are getting vaccinated. Like you said, the virus is going down some places it's going up. I'm not really sure why that is, but, but, uh, things are getting better, uh, as far as the danger of the virus with so many people getting vaccinated and they're moving forward. And for the first time in a long time, they're going to start having real recruiting going on again. Yeah. And that's huge for programs, yeah. right? I mean, this has, this has, a, it'll be interesting to see because this year, right, this year going into the fall is going to be the first time that we're going to see these kids who were not, who didn't go through this, the regular recruitment program, right? So be interesting to see if there is any drop off in, in what these student, you know, but the most, most of these kids are going to be freshmen anyway. So it's not going to be that big of a deal, hopefully. Yeah. Um, But uh, it'll be interesting to see what, if, what, if any, there is a dip in, you know, uh, performance, athleticism, et cetera, that maybe they didn't see because they didn't get a chance to see the person in the, the individual in person. I'm sure that will happen. There'll be a few people who think, yeah, this isn't exactly who we thought we were going to get. And maybe that's true for the, some of the students yeah. too. Like they get there and think, gosh, this isn't what I saw in my Zoom call. Or this, I'm yeah. not getting the same good vibe that I had with coach yeah. that, I'm, that I had on my Zoom call. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, because they're yeah, and you're just walking around a cold campus. It's hard to tell. A lot of times you're not able to go in the athletic facilities because it's the dead period. So it's been tough. I feel, feel for those kids. They didn't really have the recruiting uh, opportunity that – most of the other kids have always had. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see, like like we said, as far as how this is going to affect, uh, you know, the the fall sports and winter sports, et cetera, next year. And, you know, how many of these kids are coming back, right? Because uh, a lot of these kids are, you know, I, I saw a study the other day that, uh, that there's only like 650 kids in the NFL draft this year, when normally it's almost 1,200 yeah. average. And so there's almost ha- – there's half fewer kids – Going into going into professional sports into the NFL than normal, and and most of the time, a lot of those kids just because a lot of those kids are coming back, you know, yeah. juniors that maybe were going to be drafted, but thought, you know what, I'll go back and have one more year and maybe improve my draft stock, and yeah. that you're not having those this year, right? So because you had less opportunities to less play. opportunities, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, know, you got a free free year of eligibility. Why not? You know, if if millions of dollars are at stake, and you're thinking, well, my draft valuation has me fourth round in the NFL, but gosh, if I came back the next year, I could get second round. I'm going to do it. I'm coming back. Yeah, I mean, the last two years in the NFL, you've had two guys, Joe Burrow and Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. who have basically come out of nowhere to be top five draft picks yep right and and they that wouldn't have happened had they not had their incredible seasons and so so you know it'll be interesting to see you know how i'm I'm just really curious i just can't wait i can't wait for fall football to happen just because i feel like this year is going to be so unique 
Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it'll there'll be fans back in the stands, hopefully, knock on wood. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I mean, are you hearing good things about fans back in the stands? Yeah, I am. And, uh, yeah, in fact, I think that's almost a, for sure. Um, you know, uh, barring some huge, like, resurgence over the summer type thing, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, you know, a great example is the, the country of Israel that has, like, 80 or 90% of their population, I think I read, vaccinated, and their numbers are way down and everything's open. The problem is here in America, we're just, it's taken so long to get everyone vaccinated. We have so many right. people, uh, you know, it's going to take a while. It's going to take probably through the whole summer. But come fall, you're going to have teams vaccinated, you know, um, schools, va- whole schools like Syracuse vaccinated, right? right. And so. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. Yeah. And so, so these are, now it's like you can go out and have, play some football. We can have, even if they go, let's go 50% fans. Okay, fine. You know, we do that for a year or whatever. But you're going to have fans in the stands. Some stadiums are going to be full. Some might be half. You're going to have fans in the stands. You're going to have a sense of normalcy. Things are going to start returning. And then I think once we get to 2022, it'll be back to normal. And then it'll be an ancient old memory five years from now. But it's just a weird period of time that we had to go through. Yeah, here's hoping. That's that's what I, I know that's what a lot of people want. So anyways, we'll just keep it. We'll continue to keep an eye on these on these new changes. See, see how it affects, you know, the sports that, that it's affecting. Uh, and then also, you know, what what changes now with these uh, with with recruiting being back open up. It'd be, it'd be cool to maybe get someone on recruiting on to yeah. just kind of talk to them about how excited they are to, yeah. to get back open. You know? Yeah. Maybe next week we can reach out. We'll bring someone on at one of the major football or basketball programs that does recruiting and explain what their plans are. Yeah. That'd be cool. All right. All right. This is AP and Spence, two lawyers talking college sports. And here we're coming back. Let's get into the USC Penalties from the NCAA. How about that? Ooh. Oh, that sounds creepy. That's kind of creepy. Well, the NCAA uh, can be kind of creepy. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. It sounds like a good movie. I might want to watch. You All know, right. Suspenseful. <laughs> and... <laughs> All right. So, so now you know, being uh, this is this is interesting, right? Because the NCAA just came down on USC and gave gave two years probation, a three year show cause order for Tony Bland, who was the assistant coach who who participated in some of these. Uh, bribes and and other and some reductions in scholarship, but it but it but it seems a little light to me, to be honest. Um, and and so let's let's get into this a little bit. I know I know we we we've kind of we haven't had all the facts about what happened here, right? Because they just kind of said there's some allegations. The FBI came out and said there's some allegations. Now we know a little bit more about what was yeah. going on. Yeah. And so basically, what had happened was. Tony Bland, an assistant coach at USC football, or basketball, excuse yeah. me, received $4,100, we know now, to try to influence kids to go to USC, right? Two players specifically, um, one of which didn't even end up at USC, ended up at Arizona State, and the other one only played a year, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so two kids, you know, highly recruited guys, $4,100, and, and it was a bribe, essentially, to get these kids to come and play at USC basketball. Supposedly, Andy Enfield didn't know anything about it. This was all Tony Bland operating on his own. And, and I guess, you know, from, from what you know and from what you've heard about uh, USC basketball, you know, is that, I mean, it, I mean we've talked all about the, the kind of the underbelly of, of NCAA basketball. It seems like this type of stuff was happening all the time, but, but it was kind of an unspoken thing that was going on, right? Yeah, I think that what ended up starting to happen is it became kind of like swaying runners and people with influence with money, right? There's a sense of like, Hey, if I 
past because you got to remember a lot of these assistant coaches and these coaches are making like let's say seven hundred nine hundred thousand a year one point two million. These are not people that are broke, right? These are people that have big bank accounts, houses, cars. So them transitioning 5, 10, 15, 20 grand, even out of their own pocket, is not that difficult to do. And so they might think, hey, if I could land this big time five-star recruit, and even if I have to pay out of my own pocket five or 10 grand, I think it's worth it. It's going like to help. what Sean Miller supposedly may have done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, allegedly. Right. And, and that's very hard to track because if schools aren't tracking private bank accounts of coaches, Right, and so then the coach can just transition it to some third party and say, "Hey, here's twenty grand, here's ten grand, here's five grand, whatever." And we maybe there's a little more for you if you can find a way to get that kid to come our way. Right, and then that kid goes, that that person goes, "Okay, hey Johnny, you know, have you checked out USC? I really would give those kid coaches are great. Let's go check them out. I think you really." And then they start putting laying on the wood, laying on the pressure. Maybe the kid doesn't even know, right? Maybe you don't want the kid to know because then they're going to out you somehow inadvertently, right? So the only people that know are the coach and this handler. And the handler persuades and persuades and persuades them and delivers. So now you have a coach that's trying to persuade a handler. You have a handler that's trying to persuade a kid, but no, the kid doesn't know what's going on. The handler delivers the kid. The coach is happy and pays another chunk of money. Right. The school has no clue because they're not monitoring those funds or those transactions. How could they? Yeah, how would, yeah. You tell me how you could have a staff of a hundred people in compliance. You're not going to know, right. you know. And so, uh, and then that kid comes. So what you do is you have that smoke meter. Is this a kid that never visited the school? Is coming from Louisiana to California? What is? Why is he coming to the school? So the the NCA does look at those things. They look at those trends, kind of like the FBI might look at strange stuff. They're thinking, well, this is kind of weird. How's this going on? Now, now, the way the FBI gets involved and stuff like that is they always, somebody always tips off the FBI, just like the admission scandal, right? right? There's always somebody that tips somebody off that knows something. It might have went down like this where somebody promised a second payment that was never delivered. So you're not going to pay me, huh? I delivered you to the kid. Okay, well, that's no problem. All I'm going to whisper to some people, you may want to check into this right. coach. And, and then it gets whispered to somebody. And so that's how criminals take each other down. Right. And right? a lot of these schools that are going through this right now, Arizona, Oklahoma State, South Carolina, uh, Kansas, LSU, and, and USC, and, and others, Creighton. But um, those schools, they're, they're all, it's all stemming from this FBI investigation, right? Yeah. So, and and from what I've from what I've read and what from what I've seen, the FBI investigation, it, they people just got sloppy, and and people started figuring it out. What was there was some something weird going on here, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you know, in, in your experience, it, I mean, do you kind of know who the coaches are that you kind of have to keep an extra eye on? You know, but you know, it's what's funny. Tony Bland was known as a really good guy, right? Like, you know, at USC he was friendly. He was nice. He, you know, I think he was even part of some sort of rules board, right? And so it's kind of like that person that, that maybe like was, you never expected to be a bad person, right? And all of a sudden you'd find something bad out and go, what? That person? Wow, I didn't. So you do have those kind of shady characters, but it doesn't always work that way. You know what I mean? Like, and, and there's a lot of pressure these coaches have to think, well, gosh, if I'm not in coaching, I don't need, I have a bachelor's degree in sociology and with I had a 2.1 GPA if I'm not doing college coaching I'm not going to make it to the NBA I'm really going to be at some high school making $40,000 a year right so I have to make this the opportunity work no matter what because I'm making seven eight hundred thousand a year I would never make this money anywhere in the world so I'm going to do whatever it takes 
to make sure I can maintain this. And the way to do that is to deliver some five-star kids that I'm bringing in. And that's the pressure they're under. Because that's how you prove value, not only yeah. to the head coach, right. but also to the school. Because, I mean, it seems like kind of from what I can see, and you would know a lot better than I would, but it seems like the <laughs> assistant coaches bring the recruits to the school yeah. and the head coach is the ultimate salesman. It's kind of the closer. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it, it works that way a lot. Now, imagine if you had a, an associate at a law firm. I use your experience, you would understand, right? And all of a sudden, this associate's bringing in crazy business all over. And you're thinking the partners are high-fiving, this person's going to be a partner. And then they find out the associate's doing some shady stuff on the side. And paying things and doing favors, and it's not all in the up and up. And um, that's a similar situation here, where where but you, that person was trying to curry favor, but doing it in a way that wasn't legitimate. Right, right, and 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 so, and so yeah, as 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 this stuff was kind of coming about, right, it was like, uh, you know, it was like, oh gosh, okay, here are the schools that they're focusing in on, right, and then here's what the allegations are. And I guess to me, you know, if, assuming these these coaches are making five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars a year, it seems a little silly to me that 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 they would risk it all for forty one hundred dollars. You know what I mean? I mean, and, I mean, I get it. Bring in, you'd risk a lot to bring in the best and the, the best players, right? Yeah. I, that makes sense to me. But for that amount of money, when you're making when you're making that money, that level of money. Seems silly to me. Am I missing something? Well, yeah. So, so it's all about the sway, right? It's always about um, not necessarily about the money, but it's like whether the coach is paying it out. It's to get that player. If the co- player, the coach is accepting it, it's on the way out, right? It, on the, when the coach is paying it, it's to get a recruit in. When the coach is getting the money, it's for them to steer a player to a certain agent. Right. I get that, but why even risk it for that amount of money? Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you're gonna do this, you know. Um, Go Why big, not go right? big? Like I, I don't want forty one hundred dollars. I want forty thousand dollars. Yeah, you know I think, what I mean. Yeah, I think part of it's there's two things for it. I think one is to say like, hey, if I do small little things, no one's really noticing. Yeah, four here, a couple grand there. It's this chump change. Nobody's gonna even bat an eye, and I gotta keep it coming. Another thing I think is probably like, hey, you know, uh, I'll get this forty one hundred. I'll do. I'll deliver. Now the next one they're gonna want to give me twenty, and maybe the next one they're gonna want to give me a hundred. Because they can show I can deliver. So it kind of it kind of builds on it. So you, yeah, you 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 prove your worth not only to the runners, yep, but also to the coach, and so then that allows you to to increase the value. Yeah, exactly right. And so it's a it's a scheme. It's a big Ponzi scheme of of and the the victims are really the student athlete, right? They're the talent that oftentimes doesn't even know what's going on. The adults are swaying them certain directions to certain agents or certain schools, and they're. Money's changing hands. Now, sometimes the kids and the kids' family also get involved. That can happen too, right? Where a, a coach or something says, "Hey, I'll just, I'll, I'm going to transition money to you, runner. You give it to the dad. Everything's hush hush. Make sure that kid gets to us." Right. And that's what it's really about. It's it's a instead of recruiting a kid legitimately through here are our facilities, here's our history, here's what our jerseys look like. We really want you to come here. It's and we're going to pay you. Well, yeah, but it also seems like there's a lot of student athletes who are going through this recruiting process who kind of expect that. Right? Yeah, like yeah. If you're, if you're a big time player, you know, uh, and, and, and you've got school X who's saying, Hey, j- you come here. We're going to put you guys up in a, ho- we're going to put you guys up in a room, in a, in a house. We're going to help you. Uh, we're going to help. We're going to pay you. We're going to get a booster to pay you a hundred grand. You know, all of this, all of this value. Then, 
And then school Y says, you know what? We're not going to do any of that stuff. You come here. You want to come here, but you're going to, we're going to do this legitimately. Some kids, unfortunately, are going to choose the first school, right? The first option. That happens a lot. And part of it's because if you think about it, imagine a kid that grew up playing basketball in the inner cities. I'm not trying to get stereotypical. Just a lot of them fall in this sort of demographic. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And, And so they're coming from the inner city. Maybe they have a split family home. Maybe the father's a laborer. And mother doesn't work, right? And they're making $28,000 a year, uh, barely scraping by, never had to check more than 800 bucks at one time ever in their life. And they have some kid that's 6'6 and really talented. Yeah. And they're going to play this ticket. And they say, hey, look. hey, uh, this, is our, this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity. This school is offering us $100,000 for a kid. We desperately need that money. We got to take care of grandma. We got medical bills. We got this and that, right? So if you really break it down to the sociological level, they're not necessarily bad people, uh, but that's what's going on, right? They're desperate. And so um, the the coaches who are super wealthy play on that desperation and and persuade them. But the problem is it's really no different than if even if you're down on your luck, it still doesn't give you a right to go rob a Walmart. Sure, absolutely. Right. But I I guess what, what, you know, nowadays with – European leagues and overseas leagues getting more and more popular. And I, I heard that they might be starting some type of a kind of a high school league, mm-hmm. right, where, where kids can get paid to play, yeah. kind of a, at work, go to private high schools and, and yeah. they, can, they can go out and, and, and be paid to play. Uh, it seems like there's more and more opportunities to do those types of things. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't a kid who's super talented go to the LaMelo Ball area and – and go play overseas. You know, I think he was in Bulgaria for like a year and playing professionally in Bulgaria. And then now he's the he was the number three pick overall, a two pick overall last year. Like, I, why would why do you think that more kids are going to start doing that? I think so. I think the runners don't make money in that situation, right? And so the runners are not interested in that. They're they're interested in. Here's an example, and and this is without getting too specific, some football programs would run camps and then they would offer the opportunity for a person to get a big discount. If you can get a group of 20 people to come to this camp, all your campers can go for $10. Otherwise it's a hundred dollars a person that gives a lot of sway to that runner to circle up a bunch of people and keep half the money. You want to put money in runners hands and they're, they're, they're lining the pockets of these runners, deliver the kids to us. If they go overseas, uh, they can just pay you. So they don't need that runner really. Yeah. And and so that's I think that's why is is the runners don't it does it's not lucrative for them for the kids and they have so much sway because you gotta understand they get involved with these kids like in the sixth grade and become like a second father figure, in sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade ninth grade tenth grade by eleventh grade that person is their dad basically and if that person says you need to go to this school they're going yeah they create that they create that bond that connection. And then they, they use, then the runners then exploit that, right? And mm-hmm. get, get the kid to go to the school that the that, that runner wants them to go to because they're receiving the money. And that's that's part of the underbelly of NCAA yeah. basketball and sports, uh, NCAA sports that uh, uh, we've been talking about a lot. And, you know, it's 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 just, this is all coming to a head right now, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I mean, schools can run audits on cell phone records and but I mean, some coaches can get burner phones from like Walmart and it's hard to get access to those. But um, any any phone connected to a school or an athletic department can be tracked by the school and you can figure out, hey, there's 68 calls to this person that was flagged. We better call this person in. Let's record these calls. Let's let's get the metadata. Let's figure out what was said, why was it said, when their calls happened, why did you have a 
you know, 38 minute call with this runner from New York. What were you talking about for 38 minutes? You know, and oh, just a friend. We were talking about barbecue, you know, and right. it's, well, I don't know. Let's get you in a deposition and let's find out, you know, and that's how these things get found out. And I'm telling you, it's not just USC that was doing this. It's not just a few schools. It's, yeah. it, there's a lot of schools doing this uh, at different levels. Um, whether it's emission scandals or recruiting scandals, that's why I worry about name, image, and likeness. We can't even, with the tight rules we have now, we can't control it. Imagine where the runners can set up businesses. Suddenly, runners are all going to be business owners, and they're going to be hiring kids to work, and they're going to start them in high school. That's what's going to happen. They're going to say, hey, you're 16. Come work for my business doing nothing, and I'm going to pay you a bunch of money, and then I'm going to keep you working here as long as you go to Arizona State. Right. Oh, I'll go to Arizona State, right? And then they go to Arizona State, and then, hey, we can keep you working here now. And the whole thing, it's going to get weird because really the value isn't put the, – the coaches and the administrators and the runners don't want to put money in the kids' pockets to be fair. They want to put money in the pockets of the kids for sway, to get them to sign with the school so they can win more games. That's the reality. That's right. Yeah, so, so you don't think that the, that the name, image, and likeness rules changes that are going to be happening here. You don't think that that could lessen – because then now these kids, now these student-athletes are going to have more opportunities to make money off their name, likeness, and image – so they're going to be less motivated by, hey, the runner is going to pay me a hundred grand to go yeah. there. You think that this actually is going to create even more problems? Yeah, I think the runners will create those opportunities because there's a lot of college student athletes right now that are just not going to get deals. Gatorade, Pepsi, Nabisco. Most of the kids in college, they're not going to want. They're going to maybe a unbelievably high fly basketball player, a couple of elite quarterbacks, or Zion Williamson, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. those types of. There's going to be twenty kids. Uh, between all sports, men's and women's, per year that they would probably want to put in a commercial or really endorse something big time. Right. There might be a local car dealership, and they're going to write you a $3,000 check to show up for a day and throw footballs. So there's going to be some of that for those smaller level kids. Put a few bucks in their pocket. But the elite stuff is going to be a handful of people. The rest, I think, is just going to open up an opportunity for Ponzi schemes and fake companies to, to funnel money. That's what's going to end up happening. And you're going to have a lot of those recruits that are going to sign with schools because of kind of fake opportunities that are, and they're gonna you're gonna find that out five years from now. You're gonna have, hey, Purdue had three boosters that set up fake businesses, and they've been paying all a bunch of student athletes. Everybody's ineligible. We're gonna see that happen. It just it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, well, because we because they haven't changed the rules yet, right? Yeah, so right. they're working on changing those rules, and that's the concern: is how is that going to affect these other these other schools, you know, these players. If they could do a documentary on it, there's a lot of nefarious people involved in college athletics because it's big business. Big business, lots of money, yeah, and lots lots of notoriety. And you're talking about these kids' futures, for the most part. Yeah, imagine this, Spencer. I mean, I knew people when I was at USC. Like, let's say, like, I'm just going to use a name. Let's say Sam Darnold, for example. Yeah. Right? I, I educated Sam Darnold on the NCAA rules when he first came in, and I had to go over some basic stuff. And it was just me and him in a little computer lab. Nobody knew who Sam Darnold was. He was just a, a new quarterback coming to USC, 18 years old, sitting at a computer, going over some basic rules. And I'm going over the rules with him. No one knew who he was. I mean, it was... Well, people knew who he was. He was one of the biggest recruits. Yeah. You know, one of the top recruits, but, but, but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just some recruit. He wasn't you know? a national... He wasn't, you know, he wasn't the quarterback of, you know, in the NFL. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, just a guy. You know, and he came in, went over some rules. I spent about an hour with him. I would touch base with him and his family from time to time. And just two and a half years later, from an 18-year-old kid in sweatpants and a T-shirt coming in and sitting at a computer, he's signing with the New York Jets. I mean, a $20 million signing bonus, 
multi-million dollar contract. We got, there's houses, cars, all this influence, New York. And this is just, what is it, like 30 months later? 30 months. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking a couple of Christmases, you know? And yeah. So that's that's the kind of, so that the runners know that that's a lottery ticket that they're sitting on in a lot of ways. And they have to do whatever it takes to lock in on that kid. And you have a lot of hangers on. And it really comes down to money, right? It always comes down to money, influence, power, sway. And um, if people knew how bad it kind of was in college athletics, they would be surprised. That's why the FBI is involved and schools are involved. There's a lot of much Zach Wilson. There's a lot of hangers-ons around Zach Wilson. Oh, I promise sure. you. I, I guarantee um, you. You know, because there's a lot of money there. Right. It doesn't mean that BYU or anybody's doing anything wrong, but I guarantee you there's boosters that have thought about it. I'm sure there's boosters that would love to get involved somehow. Yeah. How could I angle this for something for me? You know, uh, that happens all over the place. That's probably human nature, you know, a little bit. And there's a little bit of greed and there's some money at stake. And so, you know, I don't know how we get away from this, but this kind of stuff happens even at the NBA level and stuff too. I mean, remember Jerry West was accused with the Clippers trying to offer something for Kawhi Leonard, right. his family, right? Right. where it's people trying to, to entice people improperly to play for them against the rules. Yeah, and, and it's, like you said, it's been going on for a long time. It'll continue to go on, even after the FBI, you know, and, and to be honest, from my perspective, so far, the NCA hasn't really punished any of these schools, right? No, really. I mean, a postseason o- ban hurts. Oklahoma State got a postseason <laughs> ban. They appealed it. They were able to play this year. Yeah. You know, uh, USC got two years probation, uh, three years show cause, some fines. They they had already self imposed scholarship reductions. Yeah. So their penalty was nothing. It was minimal. Yeah. You know, and and so you know, so you think well, you think back to to when the FBI you know came out with these scandals. It was, they're saying we're we're going to completely change how the NCA operates here. Yeah, I don't think anything has changed. I don't think anything will change, but but it's just going to be you know especially when these schools get these little slap on the wrist. In my opinion, yeah. And USC went through the independent uh, program. If you right. if you recall that they went That's through right. the the fractions process. You know that they, and now we've gotten one gotten a decision that came out light. They couldn't have appealed it. It came out right, and uh, you know, so so that well, helps. Yeah, and USC now see that's that's where if you combine if you compare what USC did to what Kansas and Arizona have done, yep. uh, you know, Arizona self-imposed, yep. USC self-imposed, USC got off fairly lightly. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Kansas, who has thumbed their nose at the NCA process. Kansas is going to get hit hard. So we'll see, right? But we'll see if that happens because, you know. They've lawyered up pretty well. Kansas has great lawyers. They've, they've, I'm sure they're doing an incredible job for Kansas. But it'll be interesting to see what type of a penalty Kansas and Arizona get who seem to have a lot of evidence against these coaches, doing, not only just against uh, their assistant coaches, but even against the head coaches, yeah. right? So, yeah. so that's where I'm really interested. Yeah. LSU, Kansas, uh, what what ends up happening with Oklahoma State's appeal, and then Arizona. Those yeah. schools, we'll see what happens with those schools because I think that'll really tell you a lot about how yeah. about how serious the NCAA is taking this stuff. Yeah, and I can't. I'm surprised Arizona State hasn't had more smoke given they're an Adidas school and Adidas was heavily involved in some of these problems. Right. But so far, Arizona State's name has been unscathed. Yeah. Well, they have a great compliance office. They as do. We know they do. And uh, but even great compliance office, like they have a great compliance office at USC. Who they do. We know too. Yeah. And they they still got yeah. things got got seep through. You know. Yeah. So yeah. You because never know. yeah, if you have private conversations um, and making those decisions to hold out people like D'Anthony Melton, I mean, he's an elite player. You want him playing for your school, but if you're not sure, and someone's under investigation. 
USC and us made the decision to hold him out. I think that's a smart decision because it's never worth leveraging your future for one season. Yeah, now he's in the NBA and mm-hmm. he's fine. Yeah. So anyways, uh, well, it's just, we'll see. As these come out, as these penalties come out, we'll go over them mm-hmm. as they come out and talk about them and talk about what we think about them and if we think they're fair. In my opinion, USC got off pretty light. Yeah. I think AP, you agree with me. But we'll see what uh, what happens with the next goal. Yeah, and I know that USC went. They put a lot of lawyers and money and time and, and compliance staff into this, and that that brings a lot of favor to the NCA that you're cooperating, you're you're helping, and they give you the benefit of the doubt. Right, right. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens. What's the next school that's going to be penalized? All right, well, today has been uh, a, a pretty meaty podcast, don't you think? Yeah, it was a lot of info. We didn't bring a guest on, partially just because there's just there was a lot to kind of unpack at different areas, and so, and we've had, I think, a guest three shows in a row. We'll make sure to have a, a, a guest on for next week and some good ones coming up, but uh, as we get into the summer months, a lot of good guests have free time to get on the podcast, so we, we have a good summer slate, I think, lined right, up. Right, and and the majority of the you know the sports that we focus on typically, which is uh, you know men's, women's basketball, and then football, are, they're all kind of quiet right now. They, yeah. you know basketball is done, football is going through spring yeah. practices. There's yeah. not a lot right. of real meaty subjects. We you know we we um, we typically. Uh, you know, like to talk a lot about those types of things, and yeah. and of course, over the last year, we've had a ton of to talk about with COVID, and yeah, let's 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 talk about some you know some other things here. Every yeah, once in a while. I mean, why not? We I think maybe we introduce a small little segment where we talk about Northwest sports teams, right? I, lo- I love it. I it love could be it. Blazers, Mariners, Seahawks. Yeah, well, let's you know, let's Kraken, talk about, uh, the Kraken, Timbers. Hey, I love it. The Timbers start this weekend. Yeah, so they're they're back and they're back playing. So yeah. you know, Aaron, I know you're a big Timbers fan. I'm part of the Timbers Army. Timbers and Army. And I would always make sure that, you know, if, if you ever go there and you see me, you're going to be like, that guy's got his chest painted. For sure. He's, I'm holding an axe over my arm. Yeah, what, what letter are you? Portland Timbers. Are you the I? I'm all of them. Yeah, you're you know, all of those. All the letters. You just paint all the letters. Oh, my, my chest. chest is that big. Yeah, I've been wow. working out, Spence. That's impressive. I yeah. can tell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and then we got the Blazers. Now, yeah. the, Blazers are, are, the Blazers are a little bit of an enigma, in my opinion, because... They 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 play incredible against teams that are below five hundred. They look like they could beat the world, and then if they play a team that is even just a game or two over five hundred, like the Boston Celtics, they like they can't they seem to they like they can't get out of their own way. Yeah, they're in this weird middle of the road. Damian Lillard even said this a couple weeks ago, like, "Hey, we're struggling against good teams." But they are. If if they if if they're gonna play Boston, Denver, Utah, Phoenix, the Lakers, the Clippers, forget it. They're not winning that game. Yeah, the Bucks. Yeah, they're not winning it. You know, but it, you give them any bottom feeder team, and they're winning by twenty. It, it doesn't make sense, and so it's weird. It's like they're they're way better than the bad teams, and like worse than all the good teams, and they're just right, right in that middle range. It's good to beat the teams you're supposed to beat too, but it's not a good sign because when you get to the playoffs, you're not playing the bottom feeder teams. Now I don't understand because the Blazers have some players back. They signed a good player. You know, Norman Powell. Yeah, they, they've gotten Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum's back and Nurkic and uh, Mello and and they they got a stacked team that really should be in the top four in the West. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, that was the prediction, right? I mean, I, yeah. I think even Charles Barkley said that he thought they, uh, that the Blazers were a dark horse team to make it to the finals, right? Yeah, yeah. Barkley's been that's just not happening. 
It's not happening. Barkley's been big on the Blazers for a couple years now, and then they just kind of can't seem to deliver. They keep, like, for some reason, it's always like Damian Lillard's having a great year. But, gosh, I think the Blazers have lost four or five, yeah, uh, you know, they, in a row. They, or like, They've really been struggling, and, 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 you know, and they've been playing. They, they have one of the harder schedules to end the year, to end the season. I think they've got, like, 18 games left, and, and only three of those are against teams that are below 500. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's 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 – it's going to be tricky, and, and, and this year is different, right? Because if you get in that 7-8 lane, right, you, you're going to have to play a play-in game to get into the tournament. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You, know, you don't want to do that. So yeah. they're right now sitting at 6, but they're only like a game ahead. Uh, and so, you know, we we got we to gotta avoid that 7 seed. We have to avoid it because I think if we get in that 7 seed, we could be in trouble. Yeah, and the Lakers are starting to get healthy. They're getting back. They're going to find a way to get into the 4 seed probably. Clippers in the three, maybe <laughs> Phoenix. I just expected more of the Blazers this year. They're kind of they're just struggling. They're kind of flat. They can't beat any good teams. I think if this year happens, Spence, and they get like the seven seed, and they're out first round. You got to look at maybe making a change and breaking them up a little bit, a little bit, because you can't keep the same squad year after year, and they just can't seem to break out of that first round. They did have that third round run where they got swept in the Western Conference Finals. That was exciting. That which was is exciting. But, but, but barring that, really the four of the last five years have just been really mediocre, first round and out kind of stuff. Maybe they'd somehow sneak into the second round. But they're not really competing for a championship. And so and if you have Damian Lillard, I feel like you got to do whatever you can while his window's here for the next two or three uh, years. Surround him with as much as you can. Overspend. Make some trades. Do whatever you got to do. you got to get another superstar with Damian Lillard. You have to have him recruit. you got to figure it out. Maybe you trade C.J. McCollum and Nurkic and a couple picks and, and go out and get another star, uh, like a power forward star, to, to pair with Damian Lillard and say, okay, there, you got two superstars on the same team and then some role players and see what you can do. I thought Aaron Gordon was the guy the Blazers were going to get. Yeah. For some reason, he ended up going to Denver, and I think that really made Denver better. The Blazers uh, person they got has helped a little, but I don't know that it's really made him all that much better. Well, he's another he's another shooting guard, and we have shooting guards, you know. Yeah. And I, I, you know, of course, I don't know, but it, but it seems like yeah, would have been would have been helpful to have that four presence, right? Yeah, that, that someone that would be a big and that could come in and, and be a dominant. Aaron Gordon is a heck of a player. Yeah, um, and so it would have been nice to get him, but we couldn't, and and so instead we got Norman Powell and. We'll see how it we'll see how it goes, but I agree. We, if this year they don't make any kind of a run, they don't they don't they just seem to not really be. Um, they kind of seem to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Like they start out strong, you know. They played the Jazz really tough. They played the Celtics really tough. In fact, I think they had leads at the first half of both yeah. those games, and then they end up losing to the Jazz by fifteen. They lose to the to the Celtics by one, but it's but it's still like. Let, you know, let's go. Let's have some pride. Let's go. Let's yeah. play. I mean, let's play Blazer basketball. I mean, yeah. and let's play tough. I, but I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's just not the right personnel. I, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, but it's not quite working. And they're getting lower and lower in the rankings. And they're right on the cusp of falling to like a seven seed. And then I think you're in just big trouble at that point. That's right. And uh, so we'll see. But I think this is kind of a make or break for year for the Blazers. A successful year, I think, if they could get to that 5-4 seed, maybe get to the second round and, and go six or seven games in the second round, make a run a little bit. I just don't see that happening right now. And you're dwindling the time that Damian Lillard, you have Damian Lillard. That's right. He's going to start getting hurt here in the next couple of years, little dings and nicks. And so Blazers got to figure it out. And uh, hopefully they can do it, but I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on how the Blazers do. We'll, we'll continue to 
the Mariners are number one in the league right now. You know, keep your eye on the Mariners. I'm telling you, look at look out. I've always wanted the Mariners to be good. They need to get back to the postseason. They have a great following. The whole Northwest supports them, and they just can't seem to put. They tried rebuilding. That's right. Did not work. They tried. Them. They went out and tried to get big prospects. That didn't. That work. didn't work. Yeah. You know, they had Robinson Cano and Nelson Cruz and all these superstars, and that didn't work. And and so now they're now they're kind of going. They're following the Houston Astros model, which is let's bring up good players. Let's get a couple of let's cherry pick some some guys who mm-hmm. who may be mediocre players and <laughs> let's hope that they do well and let's keep our guys. So they're keeping Mitch Haniger, Mitch Haniger, they're keeping Kyle Seeger. And and we'll see. So far they're eight and five. They're number one, they're at the top of the league or at the top of their division. And man, it would be great if they if they broke that curse and and, uh, and went to the and went to the postseason this year. I'd even just it. even just competing for the postseason would be exciting because so, last seems like the last handful of years they've been just way out of it. That's right. Yeah, and and, and, and out of it pretty early, right? Uh, yeah, early, and they, then they're it's way like out. it's like they're they're sixty games in and they're already ten games out of out of playoff condition. You're not going to make that up. You You're know, not going to make it up. Yeah, and I, I want to see a, a shot of excitement, you know, and we'll see how the Kraken do in Seattle. I don't know much about that NHL team, but... Well, I, we'll have to go up and check out. Have you ever seen an NHL game? Have you ever been to one? I've been to, yeah, I've been to the Anaheim Ducks when I was down oh, in LA. Oh, right, of course. And, and the LA Kings. I was kind of a Ducks fan when I was down in LA. I like their uniform. I figured you'd be a Ducks fan. Yeah, exactly. I've been a Pens fan, you know, of course, for the last, like, four years. A oh. huge Pens fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you've always, you've been a Yankees fan, you've been, a, you were a Spurs fan for a while, the Bulls. That is not Lakers. true. That's not true. Yeah. No, I've Dodgers a, last year. I've been a Pens fan ever since met my wife and I went out there. Okay. And we got to go to a game. But, yeah, no, that's but that's the only NHL game I've ever been to. But yeah. I would love to get up and see the Kraken and see the Kraken play my Pens. That would be awesome. Let's find out on the schedule. Let's see if we can get a, uh, take the train up there, and we'll we're gonna watch a Seahawks game this year, a Blazers game in person, and a Kraken. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. All right, everybody, stay safe out there. If you're in the Northwest, enjoy this beautiful weather, and uh, and yeah, and and have a great weekend, huh? Yep, see you, everyone.